You're listening to the Fan Club Podcast, where two polar opposites experience each other's fandoms for the very first time. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of the Fan Club Podcast. My name is Sarah. This is Matthew. And today we are covering Ant-Man, which Matthew has been waiting for pretty much since we started this whole thing. Yes. Um, this is your favorite Marvel film, correct? One of... What's what's the other one that you've been looking Ragnarok. for? Ragnarok. Ragnarok. He has been like almost every other week, I swear. He's like, Can we just skip this one and just do Ant Man instead? Can we just skip this one and do Ant Man instead? Like almost every single time. Um and I'm not gonna lie, he's been even bef- way before we decided to do this podcast, he's been building this up and building this up and building this up and building this up. It is it was one of the funniest until Ragnarok. Um, I will say we have very different senses of humor. The whole concept of this podcast is that we're polar opposites. Anybody that knows us in person, um, will attest to this, that we are complete polar opposites. Um, we have very different senses of humor. Um, I'm much more sarcastic than Matthew is. Um, and so you would think that the comedy in this movie would like go right along with my sense of humor. I didn't I didn't find this movie nearly as funny as you do. <laughs> I think maybe cuz you know that whole thing where when somebody tells you a joke is funny and then you just don't think it's funny cuz they told you it was funny? Yeah, I see it, that. It, that's kind of how I felt. I didn't dislike this movie. I will tell you that much. There are things that I disliked about this movie. Not in terms of the content, but I really didn't like the bug stuff. I can tell you that much. I uh, found that part, like, real, real unsettling. I mean, what do you expect, I, I, I don't... I Truly, I didn't know what I expected. The can, movie's called Ant-Man! I, I know. I didn't love the bug stuff. You can't... I, I found that... Like, I just... I, I understand they're CGI ants. I get it. He's not the anti-bug man. He's not Termex. <laughs> Terminix. He's not Terminix. I feel like this movie had a lot to live up to as far as how it was built up to me. Um, Then again, I've had that happen a couple of times in this series. Um, So, like I said, I didn't dislike this movie. We'll get into it. Um, I have my own issues that aren't really important to the greater scheme of things, but like, I think what it comes down to for me is the fact that I really, really enjoyed Age of Ultron. I felt like Age of Ultron was a good end to a phase. And I felt like this... This would have been better to start the next phase. To start phase three. Or switch Ant-Man and Ultron. I know that Ant-Man makes multiple references to the events in Ultron. Yeah. But Ultron, in my opinion, kind of like what you were saying, was a great end to the Phase 2. Yeah, I just felt like coming right off of Ultron, this movie, I feel like, didn't live up to how um, how that movie kind of... I, I hate the to vibe. Say, yeah, it, I was going to say, um, didn't live up to how, that, how Ultron made me feel in the end. Yeah. Because Ultron was a great ending. It felt like, great, what's going to happen next? Yeah. This movie felt like it was more exposition 
for ne- for what's to come. Yeah. And the move, like the end of the movie, like the end of each Avengers movie, I feel like should be the end to each phase. Because it like sets up the next stage. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I just thought it was a strange choice to put this at the end of a phase. Yeah. It makes, yeah. <sighs> Um, but, and maybe maybe that was the reason why I, like, because we were coming straight from Ultron. Yeah. We came... If there was a movie in between, maybe I wouldn't think this. Yeah. Because we go from one that was pretty much action, what, 90% of the time? Well, and like... To a movie I, where there's I like, what, say 20% it. action? I hate to say it, but I was kind of bored in Ant-Man. Okay. Like, I and I, I hate to say that because, like... I don't think these movies are boring. I just, in comparison. Yeah, it's... Especially, because you, you have to understand, we are watching these movies, one, like, pretty much once a week. Yeah. If not two a week. Yeah. And so, and this is not how people normally will watch these movies. It would be time in between. So, like... I am, it's really, really hard, at least for my brain, to not directly compare them. Yeah. And to, there's a lot of momentum. There, That's, I think, what it comes down to. There's a lot of momentum coming off of Ultron. Yeah. And I feel like this was, like, it kind of slowed the momentum a little bit. Yeah. This movie was released in 2015 and directed by Peyton Reed, whom I've never heard of. Uh, he has... Uh, he's apparently a giant MCU nerd, um, so, like, he really wanted to do this movie, and apparently this movie was, like, in the works in, like, in the phase one, but they never figured out how to do it. Oh, he did Bring It On. Oh, the first Bring It On? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. He did the first Bring It On. He did Bring It On. What an iconic movie. He did Bring It On. Yes, man. So he's much more in the comedy scene. Uh, we did some episodes of New Girl. He's done Mandalorian. Anyway, let's get into um, this movie, shall we? So yeah, so we start off in... 1989. 19- 1989. And uh, we're at... It's a flashback to 1989. Yeah. Um, when to, we first see Hank, Peggy, and Stark. And Howard. Basically... They're meeting with Hank Pym. Hank retired from being Ant-Man. And he realized that Stark had some of the Pym particles. Yeah. So he went in to take back the Pym particles because he didn't trust Howard. Because something bad had happened to his wife. And obviously at this point we have no idea what that is. What happened to his wife is not Stark's fault. But he doesn't, but Pym doesn't want the... the he doesn't want the technology to, to fall get. into the wrong hands. Yes. Because of what happened to his wife. Yes. So, he goes in, steals the Hank particles back from Howard, while they aged Peggy, but de-aged um, Hank. Hank. Yeah, um, I was, honestly, I was kind of excited to see Pe- Peggy again. Um, mm-hmm. And I did think they did a really good job with these, like, aging and de-aging. Yeah. Um... Which we're going to see them uh, de-age a few more people coming it's, up. It's kind of a similar technology to how they did pre-serum Steve a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
A little bit. Not exactly the same technology. They, but what they did was for uh, Michael Douglas, they put dots on his face. Kind of like how they um, got Voldemort's nose. Yes, but all over his face. Yeah. Um, so then we go to uh, present day uh, which is San Francisco. Which is 2015. And um, Scott Lang, played by Paul Rudd, is getting out of prison. So there's this ritual whenever someone gets out of that prison. In it's movie, uh, San Quentin. San Quentin, where they fight to get out. Where you, we start off with the movie seeing Paul Rudd get essentially beaten up. Yeah, that's a weird ritual. But so we basically figure out that he was in prison for breaking and entering. It seems like he's kind of a Robin Hood type. He's more of a cat burglar. Yeah, but he was like stealing from this rich, corrupt company and... Yeah, so the company that he worked for was stealing money from its customers. Yeah. Scott found out... And he sent all the money back. And we have Matthew's arguably favorite scene. Is this van scene? Not this one. My favorite one is the the one with the Stanley cameo in it. Oh, that at the one. end. No, the... I mean, I do like the van scene. It is really funny. With just everything that bad happened to Michael Pena's character. Louise. Just... But he's so upbeat about it. So apparently, um, Michael Pena was inspired by his real-life buddy who actually went to prison and actually talks like that. Uh-huh. Uh, so, um, but yeah, Scott is, because he's an ex-con, he has ha- having a hard time finding a job. And so he has a brief stint at Baskin-Robbins. Yep. Apparently, this was supposed to be Chipotle. Yep. But uh, it got reworked because Chipotle didn't like the bad press. Which, I don't see how it would get bad press. It's a very brief mention, so... Yeah, but the funny thing is, so the name tag that he's wearing... Is is, Jack. Which is his... uh, Son's name. And then Darby is the other employee. Which is his his other other kid's name. So, there is so much exposition dump and so much foreshadowing in the beginning of this movie. We get... um, a scene that Dr. Cross, whose name is Darren Cross, who I just keep in my brain referring to as Darren Chris. Yeah. And then reminding myself his last name is Cross. Yeah. Um, it's a little too close. <laughs> anyway, so we got, like, his two other team members played uh, played by T.I. And who's the other guy? I'm not going to try to say that last name. Not going to do but, it. But he is one of the only people to be in the mainstream DC because he was in Suicide Squad 2 which is part of the I thought Zach Braff or not Zach Braff Zach what's the other Zach Shazam no yeah technically yeah but like a major role in both I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he had a major role in Thor because he was just um what is his name? I don't know why my brain... Uh, I don't know Fairnell. why... Farnell or something like Fandral. that. Fandral. Fandral. My brain was about to call him Falcor, which is the thing from Never Ending Story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get this scene that uh, Dr. Cross introduces the yellow jacket, which is kind of his answer to the Ant-Man suit. Yeah. It's his version of it. I Again, with these dang villains, I immediately knew. I was like... 
You guessed the wrong person at first. I thought it was the dude that he killed in the bathroom later. At first. Really him? No, the first one you said was the uh, other S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. The one that Hank, like, broke his nose on the table. That's who you thought was the main villain at first. Mm. The one that said, is he a security threat? And then Howard said, no, he's not. I think I might have briefly said yeah. that, but then I... But no, Dr. Cross, as soon as he started talking, I was like, villain. Um, makes sense now why he wanted to keep the Ant-Man, the pin particles. He gave me the same kind of vibes that the guy from Iron Man 3 gave me. Smarmy mullet dude. Yeah. Like, he gave me the same kind of energy. Yeah. And... Wait, you thought Frank... The dude that... It was... There was one line in the beginning that he was, like, talking to Hope. And I was like, could this guy be... He just seemed very bureaucratic to me. No, but he's the one that said that if you make it, our enemies will get it also. That's who he killed. Maybe I'm getting him mixed up. I don't know. But anyway. um, But as I was typing my note that said he has such villain energy... He killed Frank in the bathroom. Yeah. So I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> so at least my, my like, judgment is true. Yeah. Um, my question about that death, though. So he basically has this, like, gun thing that vaporizes, for lack of a better word. No. So it's his Hank particles. It's the one that he made. His Pym particles. Yeah, so I'm just going to call it what it is. The cross product. product, The cross serum. Whatever it's called. But it, like, turns him into, like, a little blob. Because, so, we'll learn more about why in a little bit. But um. it's it's his version of the pen particles. Say that three times fast. So, all I know about Pym previous to this movie was when they opened Avengers Campus, there's a restaurant in Avengers Campus that is themed after Hank Pym. Yeah. And all of the food is, like, there's, like, a chicken sandwich where the bun is really tiny and the chicken is really big. And, like, giant pretzels and, like, stuff like that. That is literally the only context that I I knew that was was things about Avengers Campus. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I knew that Pym had something to do with science and making things big and small. That's all I knew. Yeah. So, yeah, how are you supposed to explain this death? Because he, like, we never hear about Frank ever again. No. And are you just supposed to say, like, he just went missing? Yeah, pretty much. Apparently, I read something somewhere that they, for the little, like, strawberry, for the little blob that they did, they used strawberry jam. Okay. I'm guessing they just CGI'd it yellow or whatever. No, it was per- It was pink. It was yellow. It was yellow. The little blob that he wipes off the floor. Yeah, that's yellow. No, it was pink. Okay. And we have this montage of Luis explaining things. Um, that is very uh drunk history esque. Yes. Uh, if you've ever seen drunk history, you know exactly what we mean. It's like um. It's. They would, the 
the narrator would be talking. But, but like, then, it would be, like, the person in a George Washington costume, like, mouthing the words that the person is saying. Yes. And this is where we get the Stan Lee cameo. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite scene with Louise. So what exactly is he trying to explain? He's trying to explain this, this plan. So, Hank talked to their cleaning lady about a suit because Hank has been watching Scott. Cleaning, cleaning lady told her boyfriend about this rich guy who has a safe that's just waiting to be robbed. And then the boyfriend tells Louise's friend. Louise's friend tells Louise. Louise tells Ant-Man because they all know that Louise is friends with Ant-Man. Or with mm-hmm. Scott Lang. Mm-hmm. Is the essential gist. But it's just with Louise explaining it, people wanted him to... Explain the events from Iron Man 1 Well, it kind of reminds me of that... Endgame. It kind of reminds me of that scene in, um... Is it Frozen 2? I've never seen Frozen 2. Oh, my God. So, I have no idea. I think it's Frozen 2, where Olaf is, like, explaining the plot of the first Frozen movie to, like, recap another character. Could... Or would that be one of their shorts that they did with Olaf? Because they did, like, five I don't know. bajillion Anybody who knows them. what I'm talking about, please let me know. Yeah. Um, if I, I, I... I've seen Frozen 2 once. Um, I need to rewatch it. Um, and it was... It's been a long time. That's more than I've ever seen. But, I mean, <coughs> this is kind of funny. The preview for the first teaser was ant-sized. Yeah, I read that. It was, like, super, super teeny tiny. One pixel. But the next day they released a human size. That's really, really dumb. But it go it's in line with the comedy in this movie. Yeah. That is very dumb. Uh, so then we have uh, a scene where Cross um, comes in with a baby lamb and is like, I'm going to miniaturize this baby lamb. And he then basically vaporizes it into strawberry jelly. Yeah. Which I thought was really sad. Um, and I literally wrote baby lamb R.I.P. In my notes. <laughs> the lamb was so dang cute. But the, so there's a, one of the, the fun facts that I found was the day that they shot that scene, the caterer uh, brought lamb chops to set, which seems a little disturbing. Yeah, they break into the house not knowing that it's Pim's house. Yeah. Basically, we didn't, we don't know at this point that Pim planted all these seeds. Yeah. So there's a deleted scene where Scott goes in because in like the montage of them like getting all the parts and building everything they get a telecommunications so uniform. The, re- the reason why Matthew thinks this is so funny is because his day job is working in telecommunications. For privacy reasons we're not going to say what company but it's like it's one of the big ones. You know what it is uh, but we're not going to say which one. But that's the reason why Matthew thinks it's so yeah. funny. But so <laughs> there's a deleted scene where Scott goes through the house with Hank for like a quote unquote install. <laughs> but it's more to figure out where everything is. That's really funny. Because I feel like that was like speaking to you. Yeah. You didn't work at the company at that point though. When this movie came out though. No. I got hired in 17. Okay. But still. <laughs> it was like a phone company. Because you see. It, it wasn't a real life company. No. Because yeah. you see Kurt up on the telephone pole. 
I just find that really funny as a person as a person that works in telecommunications, like rewatching that scene must feel like really funny to you. Scott breaks into the house completely ninja style, climbing up the side of the house. There there's some line about um it's like the steel is like the Titanic or something. The safe that used the same metal as the Titanic. As everyone knows with the Titanic it doesn't handle cold well. So, what he did was he drilled into it, poured water, and liquid nitrogen. Did he just happen to have liquid nitrogen? Uh, it was in the, it was in the basement. What coinky dink? That's why... Unless Pim planted it. Pim planted everything. Pim was testing him. That's the thing, though. Is like, he planted all of the seeds. Yeah, because he wanted to test Scott's ability to break in... To a place that he really had no idea. Of. You see him putting up the mattress. You see him putting up the blankets. So when it would explode, or like the, it wasn't a mattress. It was like a like a blow up raft. No, the, yeah, it was a blow up, air mattress or a raft or yeah. something. Something blow that you can blow up, to hide the noise of the door flying back. Mm-hmm. And then the sheet was to be used so that the bolts wouldn't hit him. It- Frankly, Scott Lang is a freaking genius. He is. He has a like he has a master's in like electric, engineering or electrical something? engineering or something like that, or a PhD or something in electrical engineering. Um, and then he, uh, what he's trying to get? Well, he doesn't know. This. He was told that it was money. That's yeah. what they and so all he steals assumed. a backpack and he gets into the bathroom to open the backpack. No, all that was in there was the suit on the table. So he put the suit in the backpack. Yeah, but he doesn't know what... He just thinks, like, what is this thing? Yeah. Like, he doesn't know what it is. And so he puts it on. Yeah. And he shrinks himself. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's messing around with it. He puts it on. Gets super tiny. Um, and then he comes in contact with a giant rat. And um, so I don't want to get too far into this. But we just moved into, like, a really, really old house. And we've had some run-ins with some rodents and uh i have a newfound rodent uh fear that i didn't have before oh it's a carbondale yeah that's the same and not gonna lie him running and running into this giant rat was really unsettling to me yeah given the fact that i have seen i have seen too many rodents now it's a very old house (laughs) when ant-man falls onto the taxi we see the original Ant-Man. Oh, so yeah, Ant-Man yeah. The, not, ca- the cab driver. Yeah. Ant-Man was not on live TV yet until 1979 when it was an SNL skit. Was the first time Ant-Man has ever been in a live action anything. Before, Ant-Man was only in animated cartoons. Was the yeah. only time Ant-Man was ever shown. Um, and we basically figure out that Pim planted all of the seeds for this entire scheme, yes. including all of the people that Luis knew. No, so he's been watching Scott. So he knew that Scott was friends with Luis. Who was friends with this person and friends with this, this person, person and friend, yeah. Dating this person. And who just happened to be... A big mouth. So when Scott gets out of jail, before he goes and robs Hank, he goes to his daughter's birthday. This is when we first see Cassie, his wife, or 
his ex-wife and the wife's boyfriend, who is a cop, who loves to arrest Scott Lang. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then, um, so his wife, played by Judy Greer, the icon, says, has a line that really resonated with me. Um, and there, this line is said later, again, by a different character, but she says, be the hero you already, they already think you are. And I don't think this, this line would have resonated with me prior to having our son. Um, but like, and if you don't have kids or like, you don't have any sort of relationship with a kid, like you, you might, this might not resonate as much with you, but like this, this line really like, cause like, no matter how bad you think you messed up, your kid's always going to think you're a rock star. Yeah. And it's, like, the sweetest thing. And, like, I just thought that this scene was, or this line specifically, was, like, really, really sweet. And, like, his daughter thinks he's the coolest. Yeah. Even though he's not a massive part of her life, really. Yeah. And, um... I mean, he's been in jail for about five years. Which his daughter is five. No, but I just thought that this line was really sweet. And, like, it also plays into the whole, like, I mean, he's a superhero. He'll, like, be the hero they already think you are. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a double entendre. But, like, I don't know. After becoming a parent, I, like, I I fully get, like, I I don't think I would have found this, this line as, like, resonant, um, before I had our son. Yeah. But, like, after having him, like, it, like, it really hit home with me in a lot of ways, so. Scott freaks out with the suit. He goes in and he breaks in and he gets arrested for breaking in to Hank's house. Like, he goes back to. He goes back to Hank's house. Yeah. Puts the suit back and then gets arrested. Yes. And then, so he's sitting in the jail cell, and he sees the ants on the floor, and they're counting down. Or, this is when he first meets Hank. Mm-hmm. Because Hank is acting like his lawyer. And Hank tells him, you need to make sure that you look very closely at some stuff. And then we see the counting down when he goes back in. Which, we later figure out that, like, Hank can control the ants with his brain. It's through, like, a hearing aid chip. Yeah, I don't find this part that particularly realistic. I mean, there have... He, he explained the science. I just don't think it's real. I don't care if you can control them. Ants are still unsanitary. I really don't. Like, I think they're gross. Yeah. But with Scott flying through the city, bug size is pretty cool. It is when really he's on the back of Ant two seventy eight two seventy five, whatever it is. I love how his daughter is like. I hope you don't find him. Yeah, <laughs> just think it's really sweet. Yeah, his daughter is like, like you can tell that as funny as Scott Lang is, you could tell that his daughter gets her sense of humor from him. Mm-hmm. So I had a question about. So we have a scene that Hank is basically describing his like suit and why he isn't Ant-Man anymore. He basically says if the the suit takes a toll on him physically and he doesn't feel like he can wear it anymore. I, why does he want to inflict that on somebody else? 
he also has the emotional pain from being Ant-Man also. But, I mean, I get that he had, like, the trauma of his wife dying. That's when he quit being Ant-Man is when his wife died. Yeah, but is it only emotional toll? I think it's emotional. But also, back then, Hank, the pen particles were a new thing. He was still trying to learn it, so he's probably also... Because that's... I doubt that's the original suit. That's probably a modified, newer version of it. To be safer. Okay. Because going big, small, big, small, big, small... Granted, it's not affecting the atoms or the mass of the person. because this is... I have read a number of things that suggest that the... The suit is only affecting the size and not the mass. No. Yeah, that's what they were saying. So, presumably, Paul Rudd's probably, what, 182? Or 185-ish? Sure. So, he's a quarter of an inch tall and 185 pounds. That's... I mean, they were talking about that in the movie. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Because he would have to... Because all that is doing is just expanding the size of... The distance between the molecules. I failed physics. Or chemistry or whatever science. This would be biology. Biology and physics. I think I failed that too. I'm really bad at science. (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's not changing his mass. I mean, technically it is. But it's shrinking the distance between the the molecules in him. To be microscopic. In the real world, scientifically, is this possible? Not now. Maybe in the future. But I mean, what? 30 years? Because there's people that can freeze themselves. With uh, chirogenetics or something like that. Where you can freeze yourself. Which is possible, but 30 years ago, no one knew. I mean, the only cryogenic thing I've seen is it like um Walt Disney's head (laughs) no I was more talking about those places that like claim to like freeze your fat and like your body can die like I don't actually know this no so there are there are companies you basically go into like a chamber and it just makes you really really cold and something about and you just fall asleep it replaces all your blood with a different type of liquid, but it keeps you alive, but your heart rate goes so slow where you're essentially dead. Um, we have our classic training montage. Yeah. Where they're teaching him how, how to, to train. He, they're trying to get him to go through a keyhole. Which is really funny because he just keeps messing up over I and this, over. I wonder if this house, this Pim's house is a real house or it's a soundstage. Or a set. Probably a set. Because it's a really cool old house. I like it. Yeah. We have another badass woman in Hope Pym. And I'm so excited to get another badass woman. Um, But the training montage with him going through the keyhole is yeah, all really funny. It, so I asked Matthew this. And I was wondering if the... How they shoot the scenes where he's, like, going through the grass or, like, there's a scene at the end where he's, like, going through the carpet fibers. It's all FX. Because this is a really bad example. But 
the movie Cats. <laughs> Can we not talk about that? I'm not talking. Car, please. I'm not talking about the details of that movie. But basically, they shot that movie with like giant furniture to make everybody look small. No, it it was mainly uh, FX for most. Most of the Ant-Man shots when he was tiny were all this The scene of him running through... VFX or whatever. The scene of him running through the garden reminded me of um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm -hmm. Like, and frankly, that movie came out in, what, the 80s and aged fairly well. Okay. In in comparison. I don't think I've ever seen it. I've seen it a really long time Mm -hmm. ago. Um... I feel like this movie is teaching kids to befriend bugs. All kids befriend bugs. I I mean, he literally names a bug Antony. He, I feel like kids are just gonna, like, go run out in their garden and just, like, name bugs. I didn't know that there were this many type of ants. I mean, there's only four. There's only four in the movie. I, I mean... All I know are, like, regular ants and fire ants, which clearly this isn't Texas, because our fire ants here are a different breed. Our fire ants here are demon spawns. Um, I had never heard of anybody being allergic to fire ants until, like, my mom discovered she was allergic to fire ants. And it was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And, like, trust me, if you ever come to Texas... Avoid ant hills like the plague. Yeah. Fire ant allergies are not uncommon. Yeah. Apparently. And they hurt. They yeah. hurt so bad. I don't know if, and I'm sure other states have fire ants, but like, I can't imagine they're as bad as. No, fire ants are just painful in general. Our, I feel like our our fire ants are like, you get bit by one and you feel like you have a sunburn on your entire body. <laughs> That's mainly just how fire ants are. It's the worst. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, he basically gets... He basically trains these these fire, these ants to... Each um, ant did a different thing. So, like, the fire ants were great builders. So they could do... They're good carpenters. As good carpenters. Or Ar- they could Architecture do, or something. Where they could do make bridges or whatever and then there was another one that could do electric like handle electricity there's the bullet ants are those real things yes all the ants are real i don't know i do not like the bug stuff yeah all the ants were real (laughs) i really especially didn't like we'll get to it but i really didn't like that the the giant ant at the end becomes her pet if i was that kid's mom i'd be like uh no that's not happening yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is absolutely not happening. I don't even... I don't want my kid to ever have, like, creepy crawlies as pets. Yeah. I, that is gross. So... Don't bring bugs in my house. Stop it. When... <laughs> when Lane gets better with controlling them, they go on a secret mission to get this security device. Like, to wipe out the security system. Yes. Of Cross's building. Yes. So, this used to be an old S.H.I.E.L.D. warehouse. They didn't know that it turned into the new Avengers. To be fair, it only just. Yeah, it just turned into. I think literally the end of Ultron. Yeah. 
So they didn't realize that it was the new Avengers headquarters. Or the new Avengers training facility. He runs into Falcon. Which makes sense because Falcon is technically the newest Avenger. Well, like... And Falcon lives there and trains there. I don't think we actually ended up touching on it at the end of Ultron, but, like, they basically have, like, the... I think we did. Yeah, What I refer to as the Avengers inner circle, and then we have, like, the outer Avengers, and we have, like, the tertiary Avengers. Yeah, we did. There's, like, different circles. No, they're all just one Avengers. You get what I'm trying to say, though. Yeah. We have, like, our core, and then we have, like, the outer ring, and then we have, like, it, it spreads out and out and out. They're all core now. Everyone is. Um. But, so, there's that fight. I love how he's like, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Hi, I'm Scott. Did he say, I'm Scott? He's dead. Um. He's going to lose my suit. He's going to lose his life. Uh, so basically, Cross comes to Pim's house. Mm-hmm. And he basically says he's upping the security, so they figure out they have to use the water mains to break Yeah, so in. he goes and com- he has Hank come to the opening because they were able to shrink a lamb. So, here's my question. Yeah. Why did they have to break in through the water mains when Scott could have just, like, shrunk himself down and, like... Like, been in, like, Luis's pocket or something. Metal detectors. They upped all of the security. So I know. There was, there was motion sh- sensors. There were why 3D couldn't sensors. He, why couldn't he just, like, walk into the building with Scott in his pocket? Because that would have been picked up on the detectors. He's tiny. Do you really think a person who is trying to make things tiny is not going to have countermeasures? To a person that can be tiny before? I'm just saying. Do you really think Cross would allow that? In all honesty? Cross looks... Cross is a genius. He is the... Technically, he is the evil version of Hank. He's the opposite of the same coin. He kind of gave me Jeff Bezos energy. If Bezos was an evil villain. Isn't he? <laughs> I'm no, kidding. We cannot say that to but our, our evil overlords. Yes. <laughs> no. Um. But Cross and Pim are the same person, just opposite sides of the coin. They are both geniuses in the same field. They both created well, the same. And also, Pim trained him. Yes. So essentially, he knows everything that Pim. Well, not everything, but he almost everything. Um, so when Luis, Luis disguises himself as a security guard, and when he walks in, he's humming the tune to It's a Small World. Yeah, so... Which is both a pun and a Disney reference. Yeah, but, uh... The Get first, it? Because it's a yes, small... Okay. Yes, <laughs> I got it. No, so, um, when they're going over the security stuff, how to break in, um, Ant-Man puts on the suit, shrinks down... And freaks out Luis. After Luis saying, you won't scare me. <laughs> Look down here. Get it off, get it off. I thought you were going to be scared, daddy. Or whatever I, he said. That moment that moment where um, they basically take out the, the security guy with all the bullet ants. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, thank you. But literally, they start humming 
He starts whistling right after you say, no whistling. Yeah, the bug stuff is really unsettling in this movie. I don't like it. Um, I think that really plays into... Probably the biggest thing I don't like about this movie is the bug stuff. And the rat. Didn't like that. Uh, Of course there's going to be bug stuff. No, and I know. That doesn't mean I enjoy it. This... it, It is... The bugs are integral to the plot, and yeah. I hate it. <laughs> like, I I could have done without that. If they were, like, birds or, like, any other creature, maybe not snakes. Snakes are gross. Um, but, like... Snake man. But, like, bugs? Ugh, they're so gross. Can Voldemort be snake man? We have our classic villain monologue, where he basically is, like, Bond villaining all over the place. Yeah. Um, and we learned that Hydra is still around. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so, the dude that Hank breaks the nose in the first scene mm-hmm. was a Hydra agent all the way back then. Hydra got infiltrated back in this 60s or 70s or whenever the... Well, Hydra was still a thing in... Uh, yes. Winter Soldier. Hydra was always a thing. Hydra was still a thing in Age of Ultron. Hydra was still a thing. If they can enlarge and shrink whatever they want, anything is possible. Because we basically figure out that Pym has this keychain of a tank. So Pym has this little tank keychain that they... It's basically a shrunk down tank. Which we see a lot more of, like, shrunk-down vehicles. Which, again, still poses the... Is is that still... Uh, do we still retain the mass? Question. So that, that keychain no. is, like, heavy mass as hell. Mass is different than weight. Okay. I'm really dumb when it comes to this stuff. Best example. You can have a pound of stainless steel. And a pound of feathers. Yes. They're both a pound, so the weight is the same. But the mass is different for the steel compared to the feathers. The weight will be much, much smaller. Mass is relative to whatever. So I don't if understand. You, if he dropped the tank. It would thud? Yes. Kind of like when Ant-Man fell on the tile in the bathroom scene. When he first turned into Ant-Man and the tile cracked. Okay. Or when Ant-Man was thrown through the window and the window shattered or when he fell on the cab ceiling, the cab roof. Okay. Just because he weighs very little, that doesn't change the mass of it. See, this seems really cut and dry, but for some reason my brain is not computing. <laughs> the weight the weight of the tank could be the weight of a Hot Wheel car. But if he dropped it, it would go thud. Because of its mass. If that makes sense. I'll take your word for it. Um, R.I.P. Anthony. Yeah. But that was still a cool shot. Where you saw like the bullets going slow. I thought that they attached the wings. No, ants can fly. No, no, no. I don't like that. No. I do not like that. Do not look up a picture. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, but there's like a shot of his wing. Just falling. falling down. It's very sad. Yeah. After Antony dies, we see Ant-Man fly into the helicopter 
and start beating them up super tiny. Yeah, and we basically, like, are we in somebody's purse or something? No, so during the fight, Cross puts the yellow jacket suit on. Mm-hmm. And they both fall into the briefcase. That yes, was that's holding what it is. that was holding the so, yellow jacket. One of my favorite things in film is so basically they, they're they're in the briefcase and the phone the Siri Siri gets activated and is play, it starts yellow playing jacket a song. Says I'm going to disintegrate you and Siri starts playing Disintegration by the Cure. So one of my favorite things in film and they do a lot in, in they do it a lot with where somebody's wearing headphones and you're hearing music and then they take the headphones off and the music kind of like uh dulls a little bit. Yeah. And you could just hear it in the background where the characters are talking. This I I think it's like such a genius way to put music in a scene is to put it like the music like as part of the scene if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, like, I love it every time. Disintegration, it worked so well because it was still such of a cool fight scene in the briefcase with them just flying around each other, trying to hit each other. Yeah. Which was still a pretty cool scene. So then we go to... They uh, fall into the pool. Yeah, they fall... They fall... Oh, yeah, they go to that random fam- family's yeah, house the and briefcase, scare the bejesus the out of them. The briefcase falls into the pool. Ant-Man comes out, says, don't worry, I'm a hero. Cross comes out, hits him. They both go little again. Scott gets big and hits him with a into the bug zapper with a uh, ping pong paddle. Yeah, with a ping pong paddle. Then we realize Cross is still alive. Somehow, he gets electrocuted back to life. So he pretty much got charged back to life mm-hmm. by the bug zapper. And then he goes to uh, Cassie's room, Cassie's which house. is his daughter. Yeah. And this, there's this, there's a play train, <laughs> Thomas the Train Engine, and they basically have this whole fight scene on the train, but they're little. Which and looks really. It reminds me so much of the the imagination scene in Toy Story. Mm. Is that which Toy Story is that? That's two. Is that two? Yes. I thought two. it was four. How would it be four? There's an imagination scene in every Toy Story yeah, movie. Yeah, but the one where... The one that's like Wild West themed yes, is the first one that, that I thought. Yes, that was two. I'll take your word for it. It's been a while since I've seen them. I think it was two. It's one or two. Because it three... It's not three. Because three was with them in the daycare. And four was Forky. Um, but that fight scene in there is so cool. Because, like, the trains look massive, but... And then, they're like, just it zooms toys. out to, like, human size, and it just, like, knocks off. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like the train just, like, falls off the track. Because, um, it hits a uh, yellow jacket, and it just topples over. Which he <laughs> freaks just... out, because it looks massive. I just think it's really funny that you see it from, like, the human, like, the human size point and of view, and then it just falls over. off just falls over because there's like in so many action movies there's always a fight scene on a train where it's like massive or they're trying to stop a train full of people or yeah they even had that in ultron and then this one was them fighting around a toy train and it's thomas of all all. yes but then the train gets like blown up to 
because giant size. So the people on the street were like, "What the hell?" So <laughs> there's also that's when the ant got big because Scott Hank Lang was throwing the blue discs at Yellow Jacket. Yeah. To make him big. What is it called? The regulator. The regulators on his belt. Yeah, but the little disc thingies. Those are those go in the regulator. Okay. Those. Those are what the regulator uses to grow or shrink. Mm-hmm. Don't ever mess with the regulator. Well, it's literally what killed the original wasp. She turned it off. Okay. She turned her regulator off and shrunk. Yeah. To blow up the missile. The blue disc, he throws one at the ant. One, and he's throwing them at Yellow Jacket. He misses Yellow Jacket, hits the ant, makes the ant giant dog-sized... No, I don't like that. And also, he hit Thomas, and Thomas flew out of the house. Is there more gross bug stuff in the second one? Uh... Because I don't know if I can handle that. Yes. <laughs> Are there rodents in the second one? <laughs> uh, we deal with flying rodents. Pigeons. Uh... <laughs> they really are rats with wigs. Yes. No, we see more of that. We see that closer to the end of the movie. But they're still ants because it's Ant-Man. I'm just really glad he's not Rodent-Man. Because I really have this, like, deep-seated fear now oh of, gosh. of rodents. Rodent, they are Rodent-Man would be Bruno. <laughs> we don't talk about him. Scott shrinks and tells Cassie, I love you. And... He goes it's in. So cute. He goes into the yellow jackets, t- quote unquote regulator, which is in like the suit in the back, the thing that's made out of titanium. Mm-hmm. He shrinks into it, and um, shrinks the suit with cross in it. Okay, that scene is so dark. And then you see Scott going through the quantum realm. Yeah, which was all the. Geometric okay. stuff. Question. What? Is, this might be really dumb to people who like... Are you about to ask if the quantum realm is real? No, no. Is this the same thing that Tony sees when he... No. Okay, sorry. What he saw was the opposite of space. The quantum realm is the space between molecules. It's what molecules are made out I'm of. Sorry. Are you talking about the scene in... In First Avengers when Tony goes up to space? No. He just sees the other side of space. Okay, they just look similar. Cinematography-wise, it looked kind of similar. That's why I'm making the connection. Okay, no, um... You get where I'm going, though. Yeah, no, Scott shrunk so small he was between molecules. So he was, like, in the atoms, in pretty much the building blocks of life he was in but in the space in cassie's room the i love the shot where he's he's like he said i love you to cassie and then he shrinks down and there's like uh you see his like tiny little shadow in the lamp and he's just like waving to her it's so sweet (laughs) yeah so scott's fumbling to get the giant regulate the giant disc Mm -hmm. out because it's, like, put it floating in. in front of him. Yeah. But he can hear Cassie because he's still in the same spot in her room. Yeah. It kind of... Have you ever seen Interstellar? No. Uh, 
I don't know how I'm supposed to explain this because it's a very confusing. I know that there are some planets where one second there's one year on Earth. No, there's a scene in Interstellar where Matthew McConaughey's daughter, um, as a child, is like in her bedroom and he's basically kind of in between time and space. And he can see her as a child, and he's, like, through her bookshelf. Mm-hmm. And he can, like, hear her talking, but, like, as a child, but his daughter is, like, a full-grown adult. Yeah. It's very confusing. That movie is, like, a total, like, brain. Yes. So, um, he can still hear Cassie. Yeah. Which is kind of, like, what woke him up. But when you're in the quantum realm, time is different. Time doesn't move the same way there as it does. Not out of the quantum realm. That's why it These seems... These movies are getting so much more confusing. <laughs> that's why it seems like it's And we been... haven't even touched the multiverse yet. No. You're... <laughs> I'm going to have to explain so much to you. I'm going to have to explain so, so much to you. Um, But... So, it was like... He was in there for a good, solid hour. That's why, like, Cassie was back on the bed, not freaking out, things like that. While for Link, it was, like, a couple minutes. But in real life, it was probably an hour or so. Um, so we, like, see, like, a shot from the street. We see all, like, the neighbors and stuff, and there's the giant Thomas the Train, like, broken Mm -hmm. through the roof. And the giant ant comes out of the comes out of the house and that's the na- a, and the neighbor is like no, that's the a police, me- the police officer yeah the police officer is like that's a messed up looking dog man yeah. <laughs> um and then we have our uh basically there's a scene the end scene is there's, they're all having there's two no, end no, no. credits the movie ends oh yeah the movie ends with um Cassie and uh, all four of them all eating. four of them eating dinner And you basically figure out that her mom let her keep the giant ant thing. Yes. And like I said before, my child will not be allowed to keep critters as pets. Because that is so gross. (laughs) Um, but then we also see that Scott and Hope get together and... I thought that was a little random. Why? They were kind of flirting, but like she kind of didn't want anything to do with him. Because she didn't trust him. But now she does. Because she wanted to be Ant-Man. Or Ant-Woman. Ant-Person? I don't know. Um, and then we get the end credits sequences. Which, the first one, Hope gets the wasp suit. Yeah. And the cool thing with both of their suits is... Is they look like the face of the bug? Yeah. On the chest. Hope has a wasp face on it, and Ant-Man has an ant on the front of it. Are we going to see, like, actual wasps? Uh, I don't think so. Thank God, because those things are freaking terrifying. I still need to watch. And then the second... The second one... The second one is Stephen Bucky, and they mentioned something called the Accords. You'll learn about that. You'll learn about that in the Civil War. So this kind of implies that Bucky is kind of coming to a little bit. Muscle Manos. Okay. Muscle Manos. Someone. They're still trying to unbrainwash him. Other part of... Or before that, uh, we see Falcon talking to 
a reporter chick who... Oh, yeah. And the reporter... So, the report... At the very, very end, this... So, it's the this girl, this reporter mm-hmm. chick, is played by a girl named Anna Akana, who is a YouTuber, and, like, she does a lot of, like, short little... Um, short little, like, thought-provoking videos on YouTube that are really interesting. Um, but yeah, she's primarily a YouTuber, which I thought was really fun that she got this, like, really cool, uh, Marvel role. She's friends with, like, John Cozart and, um, like, like, a lot of her friends, anybody who, like, frequents YouTube and everything would, like, she's, she's, like, a classic. Like, I think she's friends with, like, Grace Helbig and John Cozart and a lot of those kind of people. Okay. You know who John Cozart is, right? Sure. He's the guy who does the, the Disney Ever After songs, like, where it's, like, the dark, the, the dark Disney princess Maybe. songs. You would know if you heard it. Okay. So, we get the second Woolies explaining scene. Yeah. Where Louise is telling him that Falcon is looking for him mm-hmm. to join a team. Which, actually, funny thing... This movie was actually supposed to be the start of Phase 3. Or first it was supposed to be part of Phase 1, but then it got pushed back. So, this kind of goes into what we were talking about at the very beginning. Yeah. Why didn't they make this the start of Phase 3? Um, it made more sense, since Falcon was in it, to do it right after Winter Soldier. It was... They also had to change directors I, and a personally, few other things. Personally, I think that Ultron made a lot more sense at the end of a phase. Yes. A lot more Because sense. originally this was going to be in phase one. Because so... Sure. I mean... I just I, don't think it makes sense at the end of a phase, is what no. my point is. Yeah, no. So... Normally we go into some fun facts. However, there's not a whole lot of fun facts about this movie that aren't... Um, this person was previously in the movie with this person, and this yeah. person was considered for this role. Yeah. I don't find those things particularly that interesting. Um, so, I instead went into some of the continuity errors, um, and found some of those. So, most of the ants in the movie are referred to as being male, mm-hmm. whereas in actual ant colonies, nearly all ants are female. And males only live long enough to mate. Yeah. So, all of the ants in... Most of the ants in the movie should be female. Also, more science-y stuff. Um, Scott and Darren's voices remain the same when shrunk to insect size. Um, whereas, uh, in real life, sound waves create a higher pitch when moved through a small area and and a deeper pitch in a larger area. Um, like, when your voice cracks during puberty... Yeah. Um... Because the throat is now larger, so your uh, vocal cords need to expand. So they they should have really squeaky voices. Um, an ant would not be able to survive growing to the size of a dog because they lack lungs. Yeah, there's really not that many interesting facts in the in this. Um, I really I try to usually come I try to look up like interesting filmmaking facts and there's just not yeah there's just not a lot of interesting ones for this one that's pretty much all we have to say um like overall i 
I don't love this as the end of a phase. Like yeah. I've said before, um, I thought it was a, a fun movie, but it wasn't as, like, it wasn't as good as I was expecting. Okay. So, like, what, I know, I know this is your favorite movie. Like, why is this your favorite movie? Just because of the comedy? It's, but is Ant-Man, like, in your favorite, top, like, top favorite superheroes? I wouldn't say in my top favorite superheroes. You just like the movie because it's funny? Yeah. Do you like the plot? Yeah, I mean, it is. But also, when this was made, we didn't really know of, like, the phases yet. Oh, it wasn't called that yet? No. They were just movies. Just based on how much this movie was built up to me, I'm a little disappointed. I didn't hate the movie, though. Could have done without the bug stuff. I don't think I will be re-watching this movie because of that. Alright, so next week we will be covering Captain America Civil War. And we will be, join- be joined by our friends over at Team Unicorn. So um, check them out if um, you're interested in like Disney and Marvel, obviously. And just like all the Disney IPs, basically, is what they cover. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll be joined by them. They're a fellow husband and wife team. And it'll be a lot of fun. They both really, really love Captain America, and so it'll be fun to get that perspective on that episode, and um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. Have a good week, y'all. Bye. Bye. If you would like to send us any feedback or any messages, you can follow us over on Instagram at the fan club underscore podcast or on Twitter at fan club underscore podcast or you can discuss each episode with us over on our subreddit which is reddit.com slash r slash the fan club podcast and make sure that you tune in every marvel monday